0: Hi, everybody. My name is Remy. Welcome to the For The Love Podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people
1: on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Jen Hatmaker here, your host of the For The Love Podcast. Welcome to the show. So right now we're in a series where I am bringing you each of the wonderful conversations I had on my very first live podcast tour. This was last fall. Uh, it is the delight of my life to talk to interesting people with so many of you in the same room with us. Uh, just amazing. So if you were not able to bring yourself to one of the live shows, don't sweat it because here I am right the second, bringing them to you. I hope these conversations feed you as much as they did me and everybody in the room at the time. So speaking of feeding me, that is something that this particular guest has done for me many, many times, like actually feed me with food, um, but also with her kindness and her generosity and her wisdom. She was our very first guest for our very first episode when we launched the For the Love podcast almost three years ago. Um, I couldn't think of anybody else I wanted to kick it off with more than her. We were so excited to sit down once again with a terrific author and all around good human being, Shauna Niequist. She has been such a dear friend to me for so many years now. And today we'll hear about how she's doing, Now that she's become a Manhattan resident, what it is like for her to have kids entering their teen years, so heads up on that, mamas. Um, What kind of tables she has been sitting down to lately, without any pressure of having anything perfect, of course. That's not her brand. Um, Everything Shauna has to say always makes me just nod my head in agreement, and it makes me want to grab a pen and paper so I don't forget it, because she just effortlessly speaks with so much wisdom. And you're going to feel that way today too. So grab a cup of tea and listen in to my live conversation with the irreplaceable, wonderful friend, Shauna Nequist. So not only am I thrilled to be here with you, I am thrilled to be here with my friend, my guest tonight, of course, it's Shauna Nequist, and she's going to be here in just a minute, right? Let me tell you about her. Easily, one of my favorite people in the world, easily, and I am on record as saying that. Um, she is an incredible, gifted, special writer and friend and mother, obviously, New York Times best-selling author of just the most amazing books. I know that you've read them. She's Bread and Wine and Savor. Her most recent one is Present Over Perfect. And um, if you have not read them yet, you are in for a real treat. That is your next move tomorrow. Um, cancel your day and pick up one of her books. Uh, Sean is married to Aaron, who is um, a friend of this church for sure. A very gifted um, pianist and writer and pastor. They have two sons. Henry and Mac, which we'll talk about. Um, Their family loves all things Harry Potter and Marvel and Cubs, okay? Um, They are delightful. So, you probably know that they are lifelong Midwesterners who moved to New York last year, which we're gonna, I have all kinds of questions about that because mostly jealousy. Um, And so, she has been a tried and a true friend to me for so many years she has been by my side and with me and for me through every sort of season both up and down she is as good behind the curtain as you think she is she is as genuine as you would hope she is she's exactly who she says she is everywhere in public that she is in private and it's my absolute joy and delight to have her tonight so y'all help me welcome shauna Equist. <laughs>
2: That's not like I don't have like a, like a, a bodyguard that um, he just needed to get Jen's mic. It's not, I, I walk places by myself all the time. <laughs> I
1: don't want you to
2: think, you know, now I live in New York and I have a handler. That's not how it works.
1: Just can't walk down a church aisle anymore no, by I myself. No, I don't do that by myself. Um, fun fact Shauna and I saw each other in the hotel right before we came here, and very easily with clothes that we each have brought we could have been wearing the identical outfit. Right. Um, she has this jumpsuit and these shoes. I have that jacket. And so it's a real miracle yeah. that we're not sitting over here twinned.
2: Which, it doesn't even matter because when we travel together, people confuse us all the time. Very true. You know, people are like, I think uh-huh. you are so funny. And I'm yeah. like, thank you. And they're yeah. like, the story is about your five kids. Yeah. And I'm like.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's the other one. That's not yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same. But yeah. as you know, when that happens, and it happens a lot, I just answer for her. To- oh, yeah. I just totally. go ahead and thank you. Yeah. And it
2: happens when we're traveling with Nicole Nordman.
1: Yeah, that's right. And people
2: are like, your song uh-huh. moves me. And I'm yeah. like,
1: thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. What am I going to say? I, so, yeah, we just take all the credit. Um, okay, so let's talk about how long have we been friends? I always... Since Henry was I a always baby. tied to Henry's birth. Uh-huh. And he is 13. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Our first meeting, correct me if I'm wrong, the first time we ever met in person was at... What was the name of that conference? It was a McLean, Virginia. It was something Virginia. about the Bible. It was about the Bible. At, um, a- after Eve. After Eve. Mm-hmm. After Eve was what it was called. It was yes. for young adults. And Shauna and I were both teaching at it. And this was pretty early in both of our careers. I mean, very early on. And I wonder if I didn't prepare you for this, but... Um, On our very first podcast episode, you told a story um, about that that I did not know because we weren't close enough yet then (laughs) for you to confide in me, like behind the scenes, what exactly was going on. but. That was a, you had you had a struggle. What's great about this is I remember telling you about it on the
2: podcast. And the funny thing about podcasting, I'm sure some of you do it or listen to them. And it's a real weird thing because it's, you know, like in this situation, I'm not going to forget that you all are here, right? Because uh, right. I can see you. Right. But when you're podcasting, you're like, here I am in my jammies, laying on my bed, you know, maybe folding my laundry, just yeah. talking to Jen. Yeah. And it's very easy to forget. This is going on the actual internet.
1: Right, right. That's right.
2: So I remember getting about halfway through a story and being like, I want to rewind. Uh-huh. I don't I want out of this story. Yeah. Exit and I couldn't do that. I, uh-huh. she was excited about it and, and 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 I tried to stop telling the story and she did not let me stop telling the story. No. And now and you're, no, doing I'm asking again.
1: Again you're doing it again again in front of live humans. So <sighs> it's real funny. And I didn't know it. And it made me laugh so hard I couldn't speak for a minute. And so this was – just keep in mind, this is Shauna speaking at an event in front of, I don't know, 2,000 young adult women mm-hmm. who are all impeccably styled. I mean, it's – they were all 24. They all belonged to the cover of a magazine. Um, we're like ladies at I was that point. I was
2: extremely post-baby.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: So – So one of the pieces of advice that someone had given me um, – about speaking was like, just here's the deal. Enough difficult things are going on. You've got to like talk and also think and also use your body and people are looking. And so do not wear something uncomfortable. Like just, yeah. if there's something that you can make easy about this, wear clothes that feel really, really comfortable. And so it's, it's like the last thing you need is to like mess with your clothing, right? I'm like, I hear you. So I find this outfit that I think it just, it hits all the things it's comfortable and I feel comfortable in it. And it's, Fancy enough, but da 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 except the problem is, and this is where I, I am mm-hmm. already regretting this, That's and also too- there are men here. I'm s- Okay, I well, apologize. we're sorry. We didn't Jen know you were coming. Jen
1: apologizes. Okay. They're the ones who got drunk. We see you. Like, we see you there. You'll be and okay. And we're so sorry. It's only an hour. Okay. It's fine.
2: So my outfit requires a strapless bra. Yeah. Can you think of anything more uncomfortable or distracting? No, nothing. I've received good advice, and I'm going to take it. And I'm not going to wear a strapless bra. Absolutely not. Yeah. And I'm not wearing, I'm wearing like a, it's a shirt that's it's so much more information that you, than you need. But I need you to know I wasn't wearing like a halter top on stage. Right. <laughs> it was a shirt right. with like a kind of a neckline, but then I had a jacket over it. Uh-huh. Totally decent. I was uh-huh. Totally decent. Okay, but um, when I went to the store and said I need a strapless bra, it needs to be so comfortable, and I yes. hate them, and they always like just go straight down, yes. and they end up like a belt, and I I can't yes. do that. Right. Like I really need to be very, very, very comfortable. And she said, Well, here we have this other thing. It's totally going to solve your problem.
1: Mm. Um, yeah. It's, stickers. it's, oh, it's stickers. stickers. Oh, it's stickers. Oh, it's stickers. And okay, see, you didn't divulge this. I know, I was the trying first, not to you say. You called it an alternative bra situation. So I didn't know what you were talking about. I had no idea what you meant. Stickers, now I know. Now I get it. Now I get it.
2: I flew here on an airplane to tell this I, story. I'm so
1: sorry. You know you can't trust me. And so, of
2: course, 10 minutes in, I realize, pretty sure one of my stickers has become unstuck.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: yeah. And my shirt is sort of loose. Yeah. And it could just fly out onto the stage.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And the stage is black. Yeah. But the sticker is definitely. It's, It's nude. Nude,
1: shaped like a flower. Oh, bless. Covered with glitter. Okay. Oh, this is better than I thought.
2: And so, because I'm so comfortable and experienced, while I'm speaking, I'm also in what I'm sure is a really natural way, just tuck it in my shirt. Just, (laughs) well, like, another thing about Eve. Another thing, and then I'm buttoning my jacket. It's like the kind of jacket you totally don't button. So I've tucked in my shirt all the way around. And I've buttoned my jacket all the way up. And I'm walking around, because then I'm afraid it's going to go down my jeans and come out. And so I'm speaking and making meaningful eye contact, (laughs) but they're just waiting till I need to step on my sticker and cover it. (laughs) And it was the most stressful event of my life.
1: Oh, I can't even believe you got one sentence out. That is amazing. Who knows what I said? Yeah, who knows? It's fine. I don't know. Um, Thank you for telling that story. And I'm sorry that I asked a second time. Yeah. But, um, okay, let's talk about this because Mm -hmm. what's fun right now, what I love about all following you online right now is... It's just like dazzling New York every day. I just love it. I love watching you talk about it. I love watching you flourish there. I love watching you experience New York in all the ways I've always wanted to. It's the envy is so fierce. <laughs> and so, can you talk just a minute about you moved to Manhattan? And what are you doing there? And how yes. do you live there? And how do kids live there? Yes. And where do you get your groceries? And you how yeah. are you making this work? Yeah. And do you just walk everywhere? And yes. um, Manhattan is so fascinating. But every time I'm there, I'm just like, how do, the, how do real people live a life here mm-hmm. with children? Yes. So I'd love yes. to hear it all. Uh, number one, I, I like this topic of conversation yeah. better. Yeah. Stay
2: on this for a while. Um, well, it's so fun. So, Jen actually was in New York last week and so yeah. got to see my apartment yes. and, and walk around and see where we live and stuff. And she asked me specifically, How do you get groceries? Um, yeah. So, uh, Aaron, some of you guys know Aaron. So, we moved, oh, so, we lived here in Grand Rapids for six years. Yeah. Then we moved back to Chicago, where both our families are, and we were there for ten years. And for nine of those years, every year Aaron said, When are we gonna have an adventure? And I was like, Like a trip. And he was like, No, like I wanna live somewhere else. Yeah. Um and every year I was like, It's not the year for that, until it was, yeah. you know. And I actually wish we would have done it sooner. Hmm. Um and that's a much deeper conversation for another time. But uh, when I look back on our marriage, there were, there were a lot of ways in which I think I've been a really good listener. And this was a way where I really wasn't a good listener wow. because if I had listened to him, it would have cost me something that I really wanted, sure. which was to stay in my hometown. And yep. I really, really regret that. And I'm, hmm. I'm trying to be a better listener in a lot of different areas from here on out, even if it costs me something. Hmm. Um, But so every year we have this conversation and, and when it, we would look at other cities we went to Seattle, we went to San Francisco, we Mm -hmm. went to Houston and and we always had this like sort of Goldilocks experience. Like it's just not quite right. Like it's just not, I don't know, like it is, but it isn't. Um, And right during that same time, we have some friends who um, are pastors of a church in Manhattan and they invited us three summers in a row, two summers in a row. Um, to come stay in an apartment, one of their church members had an apartment that they were not using say we're out of town, and we would stay there and just do the Sunday service and got to have a couple weeks in Manhattan. And we never really considered it because, again, it doesn't seem like something like that normal people do. You can just move there. Um, But after, like, sort of scouring the country, it's like the romantic comedy where, like, she, like, the guy dates all the different girls and then his, like, cool best friend was there all along. Sure, Um, Like, Manhattan, we're like, why did we never consider this? Like, we love this place. We keep going back. We have great relationships here. We're happy Mm. when we're here. Um, and, uh, in all these different places, we had this feeling, I'm sure you felt this in your life where you, you knock on the door and mm. it is closed. Yeah. It's not cruel, but it is not going to open. Yeah. And with New York, it was like, before we even got to the door, it saw us coming and opened it. And yeah. it was really like very few other things in my life. It felt like mm. God's provision. Yep in such a clear way. yes. And so we happened, and there's a church there that we just absolutely love, which is really important to us. That's very mm-hmm. central for us. Um, and we ended up living on the campus of this incredible seminary. And Erin's a student there. And I will be at some point, but I keep deferring because also I'm supposed to be working on a writing project. But,
1: but we love living there. And Let me just interrupt her real quick because you just heard her say she lives on the campus of a seminary. And I can't imagine what that means in your imagination. Like, you, I don't know what that means, that looks like to you. But let me explain it to you because I was there last week. It is a movie set. It is the most beautiful seminary, first of all. Mm-hmm. Old, gorgeous, historical, beautiful Episcopalian church, chapel. And then it has this lovely sort of, I can't call it a dorm, I don't know what to call it, sort of apartment wing off of it. And the whole thing encases the most precious New York courtyard. With trees and grass and benches that you have ever seen in your life. This is like trees and little stores and benches and little dogs. And I mean, it is... Am I doing this right? Am I painting the correct picture? It is darling is what it is. Well,
2: and I think like when you talk, people talk about... One of the things that's funny also is, okay, like I would never say to you if you were like... All the time, people say to me, oh, you live in Manhattan? I could never live there. Like, I don't say to you, like, oh, you live in Ada? I could never live there. That's true, that's so rude. Like, yes. Oh, great. You, you never have to, I think. Like, I, I, I won't make you move to Manhattan. But people really want to let you know. But it, yeah. it's funny. They even say, like, I love to visit, but I yeah. would never live here. And we're always like, ah, no, you don't even have to yell about it. Like, yeah. I, you don't have to live here. But I think when people come to visit, and like we did our first couple times, when you're staying in a hotel, and you're usually staying in a little bit more of a tourist uh-huh. area, and you've got a list, like, seven miles long That's of true. things to do, and you're absolutely exhausted, and you don't know where you are, and you're seeing... like. Like a million things a day True. like we just have like normal lives where we like yeah. watch i don't know um Mac's really into bunked right now you know the one that's like a spin-off of jesse oh uh, nice. i don't know why i'm yeah. telling you that but yeah um, watch a lot of Bunked. We um, like we have a normal life. We have like a normal grocery store. We, the kids go yes. to school. Like it's, I think yeah. people think we live in Times Square. Right. Totally. We, like we, yes. we're, I'm dressed as like the inflatable Statue of Liberty That's true. all day.
1: That's true. That's um,
2: It's a it's a normal place to live in a lot of ways. The yeah. grocery thing is tricky, but I'm getting there. Uh, I have a grocery a running grocery list 100 of the time, and no matter what I'm doing, if I pass a store, I buy three things on my list. Yes. So like we could be on our way to a Broadway show, and yeah. I'll be like, oh, Christini's. I'm going to get yeah. cream cheese yeah. and peanut butter and something, something, yeah. and just stick them in my purse so that yes. I'm always accumulating yes. groceries. Yes. The other thing that, that you wind up doing is you end up thinking about things by weight. Like, oh, you know, right. you know um, like my kids will be like, get orange juice and apple juice. I'm like, are you kidding me? Two juices? What am <laughs> I up? Like a muscular a god, I could never. Yes. Like we can't have two juices in the same trip. So
1: you, you just have to think about things differently. You think uh, about like marshmallows. I oh, can get a lot of those. Sure. Totally. Fill the pantry. <laughs> One thing that you wrote not too long ago, just about your experience thus far in Manhattan, you kind of said, I feel like a beginner again. And you've talked a lot about that. And it's been really instructive to me, this sort of, bit of wonder and curiosity that you have reclaimed and to have to live such a different kind of life than what you're used to. Can you talk about that a little bit? You know, um, so when we first moved to New York, um,
2: if any of you have ever, have any, any of you ever moved like even two hours from where you grew up? Just like a, a big enough move, this is what I'm getting at. Okay, so a lot of you. Mm-hmm. A big enough move where you have to find a new person to do your hair is what yes. I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's a good That was sort of my dividing
2: line. Yeah. Would I drive two hours to see Nick? Probably, but two and a half I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Is my my dear yeah, person in person. Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to find a new person to do my hair. That's a really big deal. Yeah, like it is. um it was it's not going great, but but. Because I well, I found a person, and his name was Colt, which I cannot possibly be his real name, um, but uh, I like it. Uh, but. Um, And I asked him, I said, How long have you been in New York? He's from Portland. How long have you been in New York? I've been here three years. And I said, What advice do you have? Like, I've been here like a minute. And he was like, Okay, I do actually have a piece of advice. He said, When I first got here, I was so concerned with people thinking I was a tourist or thinking I was a rookie. So I did not ask for help. And if I couldn't figure out how to do something, I just didn't do it he said, for six months, I didn't take the subway. I didn't hail a cab. I didn't go all these places and do all these things because I didn't want to look like I didn't know what I was doing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I remember thinking like, okay, that's really important. Yeah. And then right at that same time, right around the six week mark, our kids were coming home from school with like, like, you know, there were like gaps in their curriculum where there was something that there were schools in Barrington, they were ahead on, but then there were things that they were behind on. And like one of the schools the kids were learning piano and the other one they were playing guitar and one school it's spanish and the other school it's french and the kids they were asking all these questions but i realized the question under their question was am i dumb am i falling behind am i doing it wrong am i making mistakes am i failing and so i wrote on a piece of paper with a piece and i taped it up on our wall with a piece of tape and it said i guess i just haven't learned that yet And I said, you guys, we're gonna say this every day, Mm. all four of us. Mm. I guess I just haven't learned that yet. You guys, we're not dumb, we're new. Mm. That's good. We're not failing, we're learning. Mm -hmm. We're not falling behind, we're beginning again. Mm. And it gave us shared language to talk about it. And of course, like any smart thing you ever do for your kids, it's more for you than it is for them. Totally. I was the one that really needed permission to say to myself, I guess I just haven't learned that yet. Mm. You know, I'm. I was 42 when we moved there. A lot of people said things. You know, this probably the same kind of people who said, "I would I never, never move there." Yes. They also said, "I would only move there if I was 22." I was like, "I, I can't, I can't time travel back. Right. Like, I'm here now." Um, But I think there's an idea. We were definitely in that phase in our lives. So I was 42. We had our kids. I was living in my hometown Mm -hmm. and my husband's hometown. And my kids were going to the schools we went to. Mm. And we knew their teachers. And we knew their everybody. And we knew their Little League coaches. And you sort of kind of get, you inch your way into this sort of expert position, right? I know all the things. I know where to go. I know how things work kind of um, as a writer, like the weirdest thing happens, you write a book and people hand you a microphone. You're like, oh, I didn't know that's how it was gonna work. But mm-hmm. people think of you sort of as an expert. Um, and so I was getting pretty far down the expert road. Hmm. And all of a sudden I literally was like, I get the subway wrong 50% of the time. Yeah. That is very humbling. Yes. Um, I cannot figure out how to buy Only the right amount of groceries where I don't have to text Erin from Ninth Avenue because I'm crying because I got (laughs) too many bags again, you know? Totally. And so that phrase became really useful for us and really life-giving. Yeah. And I started just becoming a person who every time I met someone, I'd be like, how long have you lived here? Ten years? How do you do this? Uh Where does the E-train stop? Why doesn't it stop at 23rd? Only sometimes. How do you get your groceries? Every cashier, every time I went to Trader Joe's, I was like, how do I get the right amount of stuff, sir? How do I do it? And they were like, oh, there's a way. There's totally a way. And I was like, thank you. That's so good. I became a person who just asked for help everywhere I went. And people love to be asked for help. It's true. They love to feel like they're an expert in something. It's been really
1: life-giving and really freeing. I love that. For anybody else listening in the room, too, who is... Staring down maybe an unfamiliar path, which is a, its own deterrent. It's hard to feel new. Mm-hmm. It's hard to feel like a beginner again sometimes. And it's hard to feel inexperienced. Um, I, I love that you are like uh, bringing us along as you, as you learn to learn with you. I want to talk about um, the kids for a second because you just mentioned it earlier, but Henry's 13. Whoa. Um, Max eight. Whoa. Gosh, I remember when we were praying and praying and praying for Mac. Mm-hmm. And he's eight. He's mm-hmm. a whole eight year old. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about being a mom of a teenager, because it turns a corner at 13. I am on record as saying, Woo, 13 feels different. Um, they, they head north about that age. Um, and so not only are you parenting a teenager now, but you're parenting a teenager in a completely different city. Like just, how's that going for you? And what do you think about it?
2: Well, uh, you, you know, he
1: turned 13 last month, so, yeah. I'm right. so in the last four weeks, <laughs>
2: totally. yeah. but you know, he was born in Grand Rapids. Yeah. Um, Grand Rapids, uh, was a place I was thinking about this, um, today, um, Grand Rapids was a place for, of a lot of firsts for me. Um, my first child, my mm. first book. It's where I learned to love cooking. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of, a lot of th- really important things I learned in my, uh, and just hospitality and serving people in general. Mm. There's two things I would say. Mm. We were talking about this last week. So a lot of times people who live in either more rural areas or the suburbs think that like it's really hard to be, like it would be hard to parent kids in the city. Mm. Um, and like it's really dangerous and it's really scary and like they get it, like they grow up too fast. And I totally understand why you say that, but consider this: think about every kind of out-of-bounds thing you did in high school. Yeah. Right. Where did you do that? The uh-huh. basement. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or at uh-huh. a bonfire. Uh-huh. The right? pasture. Or right. Yeah. Guess what? We don't have. Yeah. If my kids are going to do something. They're going to do it yeah. three feet from me. That's in right. In our 800 square foot apartment. Yeah. Or outside. Yeah. Right? How much? Trouble, you really yeah. going to get in on a park bench? Totally. Right? Like, you'd hold hands. You know what
1: they don't have? A car. Totally. So, That's a thing.
2: scene of the crime. An SUV? Yeah. You're yeah. not doing that stuff on a subway?
1: Yeah. So, yeah. it's a good point.
2: There are some very interesting built-in kind yeah. of safeguards. Everything's very public. Uh, uh, but the other thing is, so I just heard, have any of you read the book, um, The Blessing of a Skinned Knee? Oh, it's what a my good title. number one favorite parenting book. Number one. Someone gave it to me before Henry was born, hmm. and a lot of times I give it to people at baby showers. It's my, It has been my favorite for now, you know, 13 years. It's by a woman named Wendy Mogul, and she's a child psychologist in L.A., and um, she grew up a non-religious Jew, and mm-hmm. then... All these people were coming to her for, they wanted her to help their kid. And she realized the worst days, she thought her worst days would be when she had to give someone a bad diagnosis. Mm. She realized the worst days were actually was when there was no quantifiable diagnosis. Mm. There was just something going on and it wasn't working. For what, and so she felt frustrated and she felt like her training wasn't serving her well enough. And so she somehow got connected to a traditional Jewish community and began to study with rabbis in L.A. and found that a lot of the old Torah teachings gave her more valuable insight into raising children and parenting and family life than her previous education did. Mm. And so that's where this blessing of a skinned knee comes from. I love her so much. And then I saw her at a conference this year mm. and she said... I've been doing this a long time, and every decade, parents are afraid of something new.
1: Mm, so real.
2: Right? Yep. It, it's all this, and then it's all this, and then it's mm. all this. And she says, and every time, all the parents are wound up about this. And she said, I've, been, I've got four decades now of sets of fears, and this is what I know. They're mostly all going to all be fine. Mm don't worry about this, don't worry about this, don't worry about this. I told the last generation not to worry about this, not to worry about this, not to worry about this. She said, if you want to improve your parenting all the way today in one step, just do this. Be enchanted by whatever is currently enchanting your child, whatever it is. Be as excited about it as they are. And I have really taken that very, very great. seriously. And so like you guys, the amount of time I spend mm. talking about the Avengers is mm. so much
1: time. Wow. Wow. So much time. Wow. Have you been locked into Minecraft yet? No, no, oh, we don't do that. Well, no. you, you know what? You've dodged a bullet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Even you could not be enchanted that long about <laughs> Minecraft. I'm just saying. But what a great bit of advice. Right. And, you know,
2: I actually, I think it's true for every relationship in our lives, right? Um, Like, I'm a Cubs fan because I married a crazy, crazy, crazy Cubs fan. And if he's going to watch that much baseball, if I want to see him from the spring through the fall, I have to sit next to him. Yes. And so, and I want to care about something that he cares about. That's how we love people is by being enchanted by the thing that they're currently enchanted by. That's great. That's fabulous.
1: Thinking just the other day about how, like, just lucky I am to have friends who listen to me when I'm going through something hard. But sometimes I and maybe you might face something that needs a professional perspective just to help us dig down to the root of the problem. So now it's easy to connect with a professional, licensed counselor with better help. They have an array of counselors who specialize frankly, in all sorts of disciplines, including depression, sleeping, trauma, LGBTQ issues, more, more, more. Plus anything you share is obviously totally confidential. Best of all, it's truly affordable. And For the Love with Jen Hatmaker listeners get 10% off their first month. Go to betterhelp.com slash for the love. Just fill out an easy questionnaire to help them assess what it is you need and then get you matched with a counselor you will love. So that's betterhelp.com slash for the love. Back to the show guys. Um, One thing that we have always come to you for um, is this? You're such a good role model when it comes to the table, when it comes to gathering, when it comes to having people in, bringing them in tight, feeding them well, um, breaking bread to get together. I've learned the most from you, from anybody in the world. That's Thank you are you. my key mentor in that. Um, so I would love to hear. What kind of tables you're sitting around lately. Um, What's it been like to cultivate community in a new place? Because you were deeply embedded where you were. Mm -hmm. And so even though you had a handful of really dear friends, you're also starting from a lot of scratch. Um, And you're the girl for the job there. And so can you talk a little bit about how you have been practicing that in a new place, and and I'd love for you to listen to that through the ears of still being exactly where you are. That it's wherever we are, we can still cultivate community mm-hmm. in a new way, in a fresh way, in a special way. So, um, tell us tell us about that a little bit, because that's that's one of your highest values. Mm-hmm. Thank
2: um, Well, I will say, and I mentioned this before, Grand Rapids is where I learned how to practice hospitality. Mm-hmm. It's where I learned to host people around my table. It's where I learned to cook, um, mostly. Um, you know, when I was in Chicago, I had just gotten married. We worked a lot. And Chicago's a very restaurant kind of town. Yeah. Um and we were just, we were sort of surprised and then also super delighted that when we first got here, people invited us over for dinner. And so I would say pe- people in Chicago do that, but they invite you over for dinner um, and it's like, it's fancier, it's catered, or it's an event. It's like a, it, 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 it's a thing that's happening that doesn't happen unless there are guests. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I remember very distinctly, families in Grand Rapids invited us to their family dinner. Mm, And we sat at the table with their kids and we ate the food that I think they probably eat other times. And it Mm -hmm. didn't feel fussy or anxious or, but it felt like we were invited to join people's family experience. And it changed me. Mm. Um, So that's when I think about the fundamental lessons I learned about hospitality, I learned them here. Mm. And then what I am learning in New York is... um, it's never about the food. It's never about the yep. table. It's never about the stuff. It's always about the environment that you create. Yep. And you, like my table is not much bigger than this. Facts. It is yeah. t- tiny. Yeah. It, it flips up on yeah. two sides and then it's just ever so slightly bigger than this. Yeah, that's much. right. Um, and we never sit at it. And um, we regularly have 20-something people, and I've learned how to set the buffet up in the kitchen with, like, super-not-fancy laminate countertops. And we've got little, like... Ottomans that you can sit on and people, you know, eat like, I mean, it works. Yep. It works because people love to be invited into people's homes. That's right. Um, one of the things I've said over and over is hospitality is giving people a place to be when they would otherwise be alone. Right. Mm. And I would say in New York, that's very prevalent. A lot of our friends live alone and spend a lot of time alone. And I always want to create a space where if you need to be a part of a family, even just for a night, you can be a part of our family. Mm. And so... So it looks really different, Mm. but it's still the same. I make Mm -hmm. a lot of soup. I make a lot of pasta. Mm -hmm. I also, there's a really good pizza place just around the corner, and I buy a lot of pizza. Um, And uh, we have this courtyard and a big picnic blanket, and we send a bunch of texts and say, you know, we'll have cheese and crackers if you want to bring a football. And it looks different, but the core of it is the same, and you can do it anywhere
1: in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Speaking of... Ha- sitting across from people that you love and that are interesting, I want to take a very quick detour that I like, asked you if I could talk about just a minute ago. But um, one time, one time, Shauna got invited to sit across like this, exactly like we are, from Oprah. And I'm interested in hearing more about it because, <laughs> I mean, what in the world? Is there a person in here who doesn't want to sit across from Oprah and have her love us? You know? What in the world? I mean, I want to know it all. Like, This is how I got the invite, then this is how I died, this is how I got raised back to life. Yeah, it's about um, how it was. Yeah, this is what it was like. Well, so what's hilarious about it
2: is, right from the very beginning, you realize that there's this very detailed, very well-run, very lovely set of things all happening. And it all might or might not happen depending mm. on whatever's happening in her life or schedule. So they tell oh. you, yes, so they give you like, you're in, you're definitely in. I mean, unless she doesn't want to, uh-huh, um, you're yes. going to fly here and you're going to be here at this time unless she changes the time. Yeah. You're, gonna, you're like, okay, okay. But it's uh-huh. totally fine. You're like, I will be there yeah. for the next year and a half yeah. waiting for her to totally. decide on a good time, you know? Totally. And then, and they, they do an amazing job of, like, prepping you. I mean, you spend a lot soul, of time. Super Soul, by the way. Super Soul yep.
1: Sunday, if I didn't mention that.
2: Spend a lot of time with her team, asking you a bunch of questions. Um, and they're, like, really, you know, they're amazing. Um, and then you're, like, on the set, which is at her house. And... Um, You're like standing there and your mic is on, but you're not like sitting in the chairs yet. And then you hear everything get quiet. And then you hear a golf cart.
1: Oh my gosh. You guys, I would lose consciousness. Like, I I can't. You're making my heart pound. And you guys, it was like,
2: she sits, you sit down in the chair and she looks at you like you have never been loved so deeply in your whole life. And also like your book... She has read it 27 times yeah. and, and just cannot get enough of it. <laughs> yes. And you're like, that, I know that's not true. I know, <laughs> I know that's definitively not true. But she's like, Oh, yes. This and you and this. And you're like, <laughs> And she is absolutely, totally zoned in, yep. 100%. And then she's like, I'm sorry, we've got an airplane overhead. We're going to give it five, four, <laughs> three. Okay. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Like, no, for real. A lot yeah. of times you think that like people who are such deep focusers in that way would, would like uh-huh. zone out of everything else. Yeah. Right? Like a producer would have to be like, hey, there's oh, yeah. a plane. No, no, no. She's uh-huh. super clued. And, and then you finish and she hugs you and they take a picture with you. And then she goes screaming away on the golf cart and then you're just done. That's it. Like Bye. We, Bye. We went out for Mexican food at like 10.45 in the morning. Because we were like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's lunchtime, I guess. I don't. We're done? Did that happen? It was just the most intense, amazing, yeah. engaging, looking into your soul and then like, bye-bye. <laughs> okay.
1: You were great. so good on it. I was oh. so proud of you. Because if anybody could have the capacity to make you lose every thought you've ever had, anything you ever knew, like, what was that book even about? I wrote, I don't remember its title, Yeah, you know, like yeah. it would be Oprah Yeah, and you just stayed calm and composed. I don't know if you were, you were wearing those shoes I loved. I know that as much, um, which that was the important. Shoes, the shoes that mattered. The that shoes, really ma- yeah. How many outfits did you bring to that? 90 or a hundred only. Yeah, 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 that feels right. Um, so, okay, that's, you will always have that. It was you, When you die, you once were on Super Soul with Oprah. So congratulations on a w- Thank life you. well lived. Thank you. Um, okay, I want to talk about this because if we've ever had one bone of contention, it is this. This, this and this alone. Um, oh, I know we Sha- I know, I know, I know I you know. Shauna has, I would, I would say aggressively and a little bit, I would say violently, um, been an enemy of the fall, of autumn, like, like a psychopath. I mean, I don't know how else to describe <laughs> it.
3: Like,
1: I don't know what category that is other than psychotic. But um, you're a summer girl, which I love about you, pure and simple. I did watch you make a little bit of peace with the fall this year. And I, I just felt it nurtured me that, that you. you worked, that you worked you. on yourself like this. <laughs> yes.
2: Thank you. Well, okay, I have a couple thoughts. Okay. Number one. It's so cute that yeah. you like autumn. Okay. Because you know what autumn is for you? Like 70. You're right. You know
1: what autumn is? Autumn is what creates this. Okay, you're. Yeah, this uh-huh. is fair. This yeah. is technically autumn and there is snow yeah. outside. Yeah. Okay, that's a good. I'll receive that. So she's like, I
2: like it when I get to wear Ow. my t shirts with sleeves as opposed to my tank yeah, top. That's fair. I'm like, really? I like it when I wear my coat, like my sleeping bag yeah, in October. Yeah, it's so
1: true. Please. Yes. You guys' yeah. coats are seriously no joke. I mean, it is, it's in, they're intense. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. But let's just even say theoretically. Let's yeah. just say theoretically. The theoretical fall. That well, most, because it
2: brings us to another thing about how I hate cinnamon. That's really kind of the core of You're it. You're right. Don't put cinnamon in all my food for three months. Yes. <laughs> for nine months of the year, the coast is clear. And then it's in cinnamon. my coffee. And then it's in a cake. And then it's in everything you eat. Yeah. I don't want it. You don't
1: want it. No. zero.
2: Ask me before. You don't okay. just put it in there
1: because it's right. autumn. Okay. So that makes you angry at the whole season. The whole system. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nature. Yeah. 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 Starbucks. Everybody. Yeah. Okay. But here's a sincere question because we're turning into winter or apparently here in Grand Rapids, we are there. Um, And it it does get a little, it gets a little dark. The sun goes down really early, we're really cold, we're forced indoors and you love outdoors. So do you have any practices in those sorts of seasons of literal darkness to sort of cultivate joy and warmth and connection and keep your spark kind of going when all the things you usually reach for, water, sun, is, are not available to you. Yes. Yes,
3: you.
1: yes. The, that's um, all I had. Water, yeah. sun, that's it. Yeah. I'm, a,
2: I'm a plant. Yes, I'm a, <laughs> yes. I'm a, um, well, I would say one thing I, I am pretty, I'm, um, I love, like really, there are, on a winter evening, there are two things I love. And it, it could be, I love a, an impromptu dinner party yes you do i love it so much and i sort of thrive on the last minuteness of it yeah there's a part of me that's like i have half an onion what could happen yes. like i get kind of excited yeah. about like making something out of uh-huh. kind of garbage and then <laughs> like getting things clean really fast i think it's because uh-huh. then the stakes are really low sure. i'm like of course the bathroom's dirty you only had 20 minutes notice and so did i yeah yeah, yeah. that's true um, and you know so um, so I do love a last-minute dinner party, and I will say um, one of the secrets to a last-minute dinner party is keep in your back pocket breakfast for dinner. Everyone loves it, oh, yeah. and it doesn't take very long. You're right. So if you keep two pounds of bacon in your mm-hmm. freezer yep. and a thing of um, either hash browns or tater tots, yeah. you always have eggs. Yeah. it's easy to just like run out and get those Mm -hmm. um and just like a little fruit maybe and then something like doughnutty you're done and people are delighted it's true people love breakfast for dinner especially last minute this is my favorite thing the other thing is I really like a super like cozy quiet cuddly reading zone so like everybody put their jammies on not the guests this is when it's just our family this is family yeah yeah yeah. so those are are two different good distinction yeah Sure. I will say, we do do a, we had a tradition in Chicago that we brought to New York. Um, it's a pajama party, dance party, breakfast for dinner party well, with fun. all the kids and all the grown-ups, and it's wonderful. Okay, it's amazing cute. how you can know someone for 15 years, and then you see them in your jammy, in their jammies and yeah. you just like giggle all night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, my friend Rachel's husband, Eric, is wearing slippers. <laughs> yeah. It's not even, I don't know why that's even funny or interesting, but it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so breakfast for dinner. Yeah. And then like, let's just like lock it all the way down. Yeah. Everybody gets a blanket. We all snuggle up on the couch. We all read together. It used to be that I would read out loud to them, but now we just each read our separate yes. books. That I,
1: is just about my favorite thing. That's cozy. That sounds delicious. Yeah. That makes me want to have winter. Okay. This is something else you wrote. Okay. This is something you said. Almost any time I've made an arbitrary rule about myself or my life. I don't like this or I'm not the kind of person who fill in the blank. At a certain point, that definition became a limitation. Life is complicated and delicious and surprising and I don't want to miss out on any of what I can learn or experience because I've told myself I'm not the kind of person who does this. I love that sentiment so much. Um, How do you think we free ourselves from those arbitrary rules and how did you do it? what made you, what moved you into this a little bit?
2: Well, you know, I think in so many good ways, and also some hard ways, this move sort of kicked me like out mm. of my nest all the way, but it unlocked a lot of really good things too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of forced me to recover a sense of curiosity and freedom. And, and I think also some of it is I look at I'm 43, and so the people who, that I'm looking at who are older than me, it seems like they go two different directions, right? Either a little more, like like the the concrete starts to, the cement starts to harden, right? Like this is who I am and it gets a little narrower and a little narrower and they're a little less able to do things and there are fewer things on their list of things they might try. Or it goes totally the other way. And they're like, I'm learning Italian. I learned to sail. And you're like, what is happening? And I think I realized um, I want to be on this side of things. Hmm. Um, I don't want even stuff like that, like fall. Like I'm going to hate three months out of every year. That's dumb. Hmm. You know, I don't have to love every second of it, but what would it look like to try to find the beauty in even that? What would it Hmm. look like to just... Life is difficult enough, this is what I think, life is difficult enough without finding reasons to be unhappy because you've made rules about what you love and don't love in your life. Oh, that's good. Right? Yeah. And if your life is so easy that you can just make arbitrary choices so that you can be offended about things, just wait. Hmm. Because there will, I don't say that like as a curse, I'm not cursing you, I just, life is sort of like that. If you happen to have the mental space right now to like pick things to be frustrated about, You're in a lovely season, Mm -hmm. and um, there will be a season where you're like, I can't believe I gave my mental energy to that, Mm, you know? So life is too short to find things to be disgruntled about. And I actually, um, there's a book I love recently, is it called Joyful or... Her blog was called The Aesthetics of Joy, or something like that, Ingrid Fatel Lee. But essentially, it's all about figuring out the psychology of joy and what it means to do the small things we can do every day to create more joy and happiness in our lives. That's our responsibility. Mm -hmm. The circumstances of our life will not always line up for happiness and joy we're responsible for being on the lookout all the time mm-hmm. for joy, for gratitude. And so that was some of this, like this silly fall thing. Life has gotten difficult enough for me the last mm-hmm. couple seasons where I am aggressively hunting for reasons to be thankful and joyful every day. Great. And I find them whenever I look for them. Right. And I'm very disciplined about it because it it reminds me of all the goodness there still is in the world despite any number of challenges. And I think that's true for most of us. Mm-hmm. There are always challenges. We're responsible for being on the hunt for goodness and beauty and hope and joy all the time. That's our job.
1: Mm. That's actually, yes, that's, I, I was just thinking that too. I'm like, that needs a clap. That's how I actually learned to love cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a big New Year's resolution type. But when before we had been in Remy and the kids were younger, I it was it was the turn of the year and um, I remember just thinking how every single da- day I was really like low key angry at the kids and at Brandon because of how often they wanted to eat food, mm-hmm. like it was frustrating, like. Like three times every day. And, and I felt like it was, I was put upon to do that. Like it was an assault on me. And I remember on like January 1st, I sat down and I thought, what is a thing that maybe I don't want to be mad about all the time? Like I wonder if there's a thing that I can just turn a lever and maybe create something new. And is there something I could do better? And I honestly thought about cooking. And I didn't know how to cook at all. My mom didn't teach me. And i it was just a real tragedy up to that point. I mean, the way that I cooked for the family is I put things from the freezer onto a sheet pan and put them in the oven. So everything was sort of beige, like just a, <laughs> an entirely beige plate. And so that year, I didn't know what else to do. So I started like reading cookbooks and I started watching the Food Network. All of it was Greek to me. I didn't know... I didn't know what garlic looked like. I didn't know it came in a little thing. Um, And so I taught myself how to enjoy it. I read something. Somebody had said, like, if you're a new cook and um, you don't know what you're doing or you don't know if you can like it, like, create a thing for yourself. So I would... Mm -hmm turn on music that i loved and sometimes i'd pour a glass of wine or like some delicious tea um, and i would create this environment that signaled to my brain hey this is a fun hour this is mm-hmm. for you this is not a tr- this is not a chore and lo and behold mm-hmm. you can change mm-hmm. i was the person who never cooked just like you said and you can change your mind and then change her Um, habits and practices and then kind of change your trajectory. It is very possible. Tonight, I decided even though I have said before, I am not this kind of person. I don't, I can't be this person. I decided tonight I'm a person who wears a jumpsuit. You've discovered this already. People can change. People can change. I'm like, well, if Sean can wear a jumper, seven i times also. you've seen
2: me. I've been wearing a jumpsuit. Yeah. you discovered the freedom suit. I'm on the
1: train. I you're am on it. All the and way. I way. Me too. Now, now I'm a jumpsuit person. It's, That's it's who I am now. It's so
2: great until yeah. you have to use the bathroom on an airplane. Yes, yes. That's the design flaw.
1: Okay, so we also have noticed as we read along with your life that you're doing some writing. You're tinkering around with some things. Mm-hmm. You're you're starting. You're pulling out the old um, typewriter. So I can you talk about that at all? Is it too soon? Is it? Can you talk about what that process is like? Because it's been a minute since you've written. Uh, Thank you. When did Present of a Perfect come out?
2: <laughs> Jen has lapped me like seven times. Jen is gonna write like an encyclopedia from A to Z. I'll be like, one time I wrote a book in 2016. Um, I am writing and I am making very, very, very incremental progress. And one thing I have learned the hard way is never to say what I think the title's going to be because then I always want to change my mind and Mm. then your publishing team doesn't want you to do that because they've already put that on a lot of things. Oh, that's good. So I'm not allowed to say what I think the title might be because I don't want to have to... uh uh, Every... Walk it back. Yeah. 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 But, you know... uh, Writing is how I understand life. Yeah. So I'll do it whether I publish or not, and I will keep publishing. But even when I'm not in, like, working on this project zone, my brain works better and my life works better and my heart works better when I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like I've, I understand things through my fingers, and yeah. it's always been that way. And um, so I have a tiny, tiny little desk yes. in our bedroom, and it looks out over our courtyard and um it has been really good for me mm. to spend time there. So mm-hmm. there will not be a book for quite a long mm-hmm. time, yep. but there will be one. That's Yay. what I can say. <laughs> Hooray.
1: Do you know what I think the best invention of the 21st century is? It's online bra shopping. Like show me where I'm wrong. And my obvious favorite place to shop for a bra online is at Third Love. Uh, Third Love makes it super easy to find your perfect bra thanks to their Fit Finder quiz, which is easy and short. And Third Love has more than, count them, 80 bra sizes. So, I mean, you are in there somewhere, which are backed by Third Love's perfect fit promise. And get this, every single customer has 60 days to wear it, to wash it, and to put it to the test. And then if at that point you don't love it, return it for free. Um, Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. So everybody's winning here. Third Love knows that there is a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering my listeners 15% off your entire first order. So go to thirdlove.com slash for the love to find your perfect fitting bra. And you will get 15% off that purchase. So it's Third Love com slash for the love for fifteen percent off today. Okay, guys, back to our show. Okay, we're gonna do some little oh, rapid fire you. questions, but I did want to say this to you first um, before we sort of just run through these real quick. Um, In a few minutes, we are um, going to take some questions from you if you are interested in asking them. And um, we 100% reserve the right to be like, um, pass. Um, So just know that that is absolutely a tool we will use. Um, Or like, we don't know. Or my favorite thing, like, why don't you take it? And I will 100% (laughs) say that. Um, So just... Be, you can, it could be for Shauna or for me or for both of us just know that's coming in just a few minutes and we'll, we've got microphones down here for you okay um, here is the first one can you just kind of fire them off some books that you are loving have loved would recommend right now yes absolutely Yeah. this is one of my two favorite questions
2: Yeah. where should I eat uh, right. and what are you reading which I ask you both Constantly. on the regular um, Evie Drake starts over I just read it delightful you told me to I love it so much yes yes, yes. Thank you. I'm it's so adorable. glad you did yes um dearly beloved oh, I don't tend yeah. to like books about like churches and pastors just because they tend to feel really different than my experience and if fe- I don't know like it uh-huh. just feels like a like an ill-fitting I don't know I loved this oh. so much, and it's really different than my experience. Totally different tradition, totally different. Dearly Beloved by Kara Wall. Uh-huh. I loved it so much. That was much. one of the
1: book recs for my guest last night. I actually, one of, I, I
2: made a friend. I came home, and I told Aaron, I was like, I made a friend. A random, oh. a random friend, all by myself. And he was like, what? Yeah. There is a woman who lives um, in our apartment building, and I... I Fully crashed her conversation because she was talking with someone else about this book, and I
1: was like, I love that book. Oh, yes, and oh, I love to do that. And she and I have a coffee date. Oh, yay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're the second person to say that book in the same week, really, so it's really, must really be worth great. It. Okay.
2: Um, a Woman Is No Man. Mm,
1: I don't know that one.
2: Um, it's a very difficult story. It takes place in Brooklyn. It's about a Palestinian family. Mm. But I think if you're going to understand kind of the. <coughs> the way that women still today Mm. are uh, being treated in a lot of environments. It's a really, really great, a really beautifully written book. And then I feel like there was one more that I was Mm. so excited about. Um, Maybe you should talk to someone. Did you read that? Of course, you know I did. I read it in like two seconds. I love that so much. Circe? No, I don't know that. Madeline Miller, Circe. Okay, the way to get me excited about a book, see, yes. The Um. way to get me excited about a book is not to say it's a retelling of a myth, Oh. A Greek myth. That's like not exciting no, no, to no, me. No. I don't want to read that book. No, thanks. It's so great. It's so beautifully written. You miss the characters when the book is over.
1: Oh, I love that. Circe?
2: Circe. Okay. Um, Amer- American Marriage. Oh, woo. That was a great read. Tayari Jones. That was, whatever year that came out, that was my number one. <laughs> <clears throat> Two years ago, that was my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe a couple more. Um, uh-huh. I, I wrote them down. I wrote them down I was trying to do it off memory Uh and I can't there's one that
1: I forgot okay
2: oh well um, The Lager Queen of Minnesota
1: I haven't read it did you guys
2: read that it's so great it's by the same person who wrote a book with the word kitchen in the title the kitchen house the big kitchen
1: oh Oh. I didn't read
2: read that that. one yes but The Lager Queen of Minnesota I loved it so much Um, I don't know anything at all about craft beer and this is like a real deep dive into beer craftery Okay. okay it's very interesting Um, And then um, the Louise Penny Inspector Gamache series. Oh, yes. This is, like, my favorite. Like, in my secret dreams, I want to write a series of fiction that makes people as happy as Louise Penny's Inspector Gamache series makes me. It's, like, my life dream.
1: That's a good North Star. Yeah. Okay, how about, what is the last... TV show or series of any kind that you binged. Like, I can't turn it off, so I guess I just won't go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, our family right now is watching Blackish.
2: Oh, you guys I watched that? that. We love that show. We just started at the beginning just this fall, so we're on like season two, oh, it's maybe. So funny. We love it so uh-huh. much. We have great conversations about it. If you've seen the show, Tracy Ellis Ross is Uh Bo Rainbow Johnson, and if I am wearing like if I ever am wearing an outfit that I'm like I think this is really cool, but it could be also the worst. Right. If my kids say you look like Bo, I'm like yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, She's my style guide. Oh, I love her. I I mean, like whole show. I'm probably watching episodes from like 2012. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Only a couple years late (laughs) on that, but
1: she looks great. Uh, I love that show, too, because they do some pretty serious heavy lifting on issues of race and culture. They weave it in masterfully, but we're obsessed with that show. What song or playlist or album are you just loving right now? Okay,
2: Um, I am going through a major Vampire Weekend moment. And I've loved them throughout the years, but this new record I am crazy about um, and especially the song Harmony Hall, for whatever reason. I love it. It makes me feel happy. And we saw them at Madison Square Garden. It was my first show at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And they were just amazing. And it was like the first week of school. So everyone felt like they had like come through something difficult. Yeah. It was like the Friday night of the first week of school. So all the parents were like, Whoa, we made it. Totally. Yeah. Um,
1: I am wearing out um, Vampire Weekend and Maggie Rogers. Okay, yeah. perfect. Um, this is a question that I would would can and do always ask you because um, whatever city i'm in in the world
3: <laughs> i, I text
1: shauna and i'm like where should we eat like i'm in amsterdam like I, I, it doesn't <laughs> matter she knows she'll be like number one um and so you are our go-to person so let's just say some of these folks are going to go to new york city at some point in the season well and you let's, know let's i love that it. you
0: asked that
2: because uh-huh. my friend Ange is here somewhere right maybe
3: Hi! Uh
1: Um,
2: And she just texted me and told me, Angela, I'm sorry, Angela is her name. Mm -hmm. Ange. Okay, it's It's fine. Very casual.
1: Very, very casual. Angela
2: um, is here, and she was saying that her family is going to New York next week. So, um, my favorite, my number one favorite, Bivette. Um, Jody Williams French Cafe in the West Village I think it's just absolutely perfect it is teeny tiny you'll probably have to wait you will probably like be touching legs with a stranger because it's so small but it is just absolutely perfect it's my favorite Um, Shake Shack they're all over but they're just delicious they're They're everywhere for a reason and the one at Madison Square is the original one and it's outside and it has these twinkly lights and it's right by where we live and so we love the walk to Madison Square Um, Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick. It's kind of a hike, but it is absolutely incredible pizza. Um, If you just want like a slice of pizza, Pizza Suprema by Penn Station, I think is the best. Although Ilma Tone and Gotham are both very good. Uh Um, You are a pizza connoisseur. I am. That's that's like our favorite food. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I at least regularly keep myself up on the product. Yeah. sure. Um, Uh (laughs) As a service. Um, Bubby's. Bubby's has great, it's kind of southern food, but like really good pancakes. If you're like a breakfast person who likes really good pancakes, Bubby's makes like famous fluffy pancakes. Um, Danny Meyer has a new bar called Porch Light, which is good southern food as well. We love Chelsea Market. Uh-huh. And especially with kids, that's really fun yeah, because it's so basically I. every kind of food there is and everyone can get what they want. Yes. So if you have a family like ours where you all desperately want something completely different from the other person, you can get that. And our favorite there are Los Tacos. Um, cream line for the milkshakes and Miznan for
1: the um, Middle Eastern and Israeli food. You understand why I text her, right? Like uh, When we left your house, we ate at Tao. Have you been there? I have not yet. Run. Run really? there. Run and eat there yeah. as fast as you can. Um, okay, last question, and then we'll take yours. Uh, and I've asked you this before, and we ask all the guests this. But, and it can be however you want. You answer how you want, uh, but it's Barbara Brown's. What's saving your life right now? Um,
2: I had, maybe six weeks ago, I hit a really hard spot. And it was like, things have been fine, and a lot of things have been good. And then, you know how sometimes it's like like the, the jet just runs out of fuel, and you're like, boop, oh, we just hit the bottom. Yep. I don't know if it's like the adrenaline or, or the trying to get the writing done or something where I just hit the bottom uh, in a pretty dramatic way. And I reached out in a, um, I called you, I called a handful of other friends. I sent a couple emails and I asked really specifically, Hey, I'm asking for your help. This is my question. This is the pain I'm feeling. Could you reflect back to me any advice or wisdom or perspective? I'm really right in the middle of it right now. Mm. And I think what's important about that is I tend to not ask. Mm. um, and I tend to not be super specific when I do. And so if someone says, like, you'll be fine, sure. I'm like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, And so this time, I sort of rang all the alarms. And I said, this is bad enough where I need, I need some voices to get all the way in. And I mm-hmm. need them to be people that I've known for a long time, who've known me through a lot of up and downs. And I need something real specific from you. Mm-hmm. How do I handle this part of my life and, like, how do you see me in the middle of this? Mm. And it was so incredibly valuable. I'm going to keep those messages forever. I took notes on the phone calls and I'm going to reach out next time when the pain level is at a five Mm. and not at an 11. And I'm going to reach out with specific questions like that. And 100% of the people that I reached out to got right back to me and gave me something valuable. And so I think we play a lot of games in our mind Mm -hmm. about like, people don't really want to help. They don't want to know this part of my life. They don't want to get involved in my business. They're too Mm -hmm. busy. They're only around for when I can help them or whatever sort of stories we tell us, we tell ourselves. It was such a good reminder that people want to help They want to carry hard things. They want to reflect wisdom and goodness back into our lives. And most people just need to be asked in a specific way. Yes. And so what's saving my life right now is good people who have poured wisdom and perspective into kind of a gaping, um, Mm. like an empty spot that I really needed help with. And I'm so, so, so grateful. I love it.
1: I love it. I love you. Um, Okay. Now here's what's going to happen. You're gonna come up here to this microphone and you're gonna ask a question. And we may or we may not do a good job with it, but we will do our best. Um, so there they are, there's one, and I think here's the other. And don't be afraid, these people don't know you. Like, they won't remember if you're weird. Okay, come on up. Hi.
0: Totally was like on the edge of my seat. Like, I will be the first one up here. a girl, good job All right. you. So like, no apologies for anyone right Good here. for you. Um, first, Jen, love you. Been on your launch team for the last two books. You are a dream. Thank you, Shauna. I might be your biggest fan in oh. the world. Like, could cry that you're right there. Um, <laughs> I um, wanted to ask. So, I was a young pastor. You know, being a woman in ministry is kind of
1: it's a dicey. It's great. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, I think yeah.
0: I'm still like navigating the trauma. Of my early years as a woman pastor. Um, But I read cold tangerines and like found myself like doing watercolors of quotes of cold tangerines and there wasn't a curriculum for it yet. So I wrote my own curriculum for it and led my, um, a bunch of church women through it. I was at in college town, so lots of young women. And I just want to know, like, how did you feel? And I know that you have like a pedigree. But you wrote that book on your own merit Mm -hmm. with your own name. Mm -hmm. So I want to know how did you feel writing that book, Mm -hmm. getting that out there in the world, and then what does that feel like in contrast to writing another book right now and birthing that? Because I'm a young writer and I'd love to hear that from you. That's great. That's a great question. And also thank you so much. Mm -hmm. That
2: was so kind. I like
0: love you, love you, love you. Thank you. My girlfriends are videoing me right now, like she's crazy.
2: That's a great question. Mm -hmm. There's something great about the first of anything um, in two ways. A, because you're completing a dream that you've held for so long, Mm -hmm. and also because you don't know anything else, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So there's just like this incredible freshness. I I literally remember the day that the book was printed, or at least like arrived at Zondervan, Mm -hmm. and I was staying in Saugatuck with friends, and I left my friends to drive to Zondervan, and they gave me one copy. <laughs> I was like, what? I'm the, never mind, thank you.
3: Yeah.
2: And I held it in my hands, and it was like, you know, all I ever wanted to be was a writer. I didn't want to be like an astronaut or a ballerina. I wanted to be a writer. And so there is nothing like that first accomplishment. Yeah. Um, And I wish that for everyone. For everyone who wants to write, do it. There's room in this world for all of our stories. We always need more stories. Traditional publishing is a little complicated, and the good news is it's getting edged out by a million other ways of publishing. And I still do traditional publishing. They're both good options. So if you have anything inside of you that wants to write, Do it times 1,000. Don't let anything stand in your way. And I would say the only, the harder thing now is um, the voices are louder, Mm -hmm. you know? You get more feedback and it's more mixed. So when you write a first book, I mean, it was not like a resounding It wasn't like the world stopped. It it was from here. (laughs) (laughs) For you and like seven other people (laughs) in (laughs) Grand Rapids. That's okay. That's okay. But, and and it is okay. It's totally okay. Um, Once you've published more, there are more people looking and expecting and more people have opinions about what you do. And a lot of what you have to do is discipline yourself to never write for a critic, Mm -hmm. And never write against what you're afraid someone's going to say about you before they say it. Mm -hmm. You always write. And actually, this is when I teach a writing workshop. One of the things I say is if you're ever stuck, find a person, think of a person who loves you and write their name at the top. Dear Jen, this is what I want to tell you. Mm -hmm. Write to someone who loves you and Mm -hmm. sees you and supports you. And that's where good writing comes from, whether it's your first book or your 10th or you're
0: just getting started.
1: That's great advice.
0: Thank you so much. I love that. I will treasure this forever. Thank you. Thanks
1: for being first. You did it. First to the microphone. Okay, let's come over here.
0: I'm so excited to be here, and I can barely talk, but here we go. Um, so this question is for both of you. Okay. So if you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you tell them? Mm, what a great question.
1: Well, uh, brevity is not my long suit. So you have like completely handed that to the wrong girl. I um, would have to give some version of the speech that I so wish every woman would internalize. And the way that I, I think of this, my, my daughters a lot too, of how, when I think, what's the, what's the thing? What do I say? What am I here for? What's the messaging? I think about my girls a lot. What do I wish? What do I wish I knew at their age? What do I want them to know their age. But um, I really do deeply believe, and I've spent a whole adult life, hopefully trying to be a good messenger for this, that every single woman um, is so incredibly like valuable to this earth right now and gifted in ways that are unique and special to her and um, they matter and, and they're powerful. And I would just love to see women stand a little more firm in their power and in their voice, in their experience, um, in their crazy love for other people and for the world. I just, I'm a, have I passed the 30 second mark? Yeah. <laughs> I I just deeply believe women are the answer to most of the problems on earth. I do. I do. I mean that sincerely. And so I would love for us to see ourselves as a lot of answers sitting around, a lot of solutions sitting around. Like, let's get in the game and really be change agents toward equality and toward healing and redemption and restoration and Good, being good neighbors and hospitality—like we hold a lot of keys yeah. to a lot of locks—and I'd like to see us use them. Awesome. What do you want to say? <laughs> That's amazing. Um,
2: add goodness, connect, keep going.
1: Oh, Shauna, I knew she could do it.
0: <laughs> no, but I mean.
2: Um, One of the big themes in my in my life right now i can't solve all the problems but i can discipline myself to add goodness into every situation that i'm in and there are enough people breaking things there are enough things that are broken and i'm not going to gloss over a single one of them but i'm going to be one who adds goodness every chance i get who adds hope who who's a good listener who sees people so whatever every situation you're in no matter how difficult it is there is a way to with your presence with your words with your actions add goodness. And then connect. We live in an increasingly isolated culture. People wanna be seen for who they are, not for the image that they um, present. Mm -hmm. And the more you can show the truth of your own heart, and offer it to people in a really honest way. People are desperate to be connected. We've seen that over and over again in New York. Every single person I think is just absolutely too cool to talk to me mm. wants to come sit in my, in, in my a tiny little apartment and have a cookie, right? Yes. Everybody wants that. Because people are lonely, generally. Um, and then keep going. Um, every single one of us in this room has gotten to a point in any number of situations where you've thought, I can't take one more step. I've hit the wall. I'm down for the count. This is too heavy. This is too hard. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. That's
1: great. I'd like the record to reflect that that was more than 30 seconds. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you for you. your question. Hi. Hi. I'm, this question is for Shauna. Um, I was really struck. Um, I'm about the same age as you, and I have a couple boys that are very similar to your, your boys' age and um, work in ministry. And you were talking about your desire to go to seminary. So I was just curious hmm. what your desires are yeah. for that, kind of this midlife and young kids and how you see that working and um, and that that experience, what will be moving yeah, forward for you? Yeah, that's a great question. We kind of skimmed through that really we fast. We did. Well, yeah. and some
2: of it is um, the intention was that Aaron and I would both go to seminary. We both applied, all that stuff. And then I we got there. We moved. The move went different than we thought because our house sold really fast and we were going to end up paying like rent in New York and also renting our house back from the new, we just like, everything got thrown off. And all of a sudden we were supposed to both start seminary and I realized like, I barely know where our children's schools are. Right. We cannot have four of us all on different class schedules. Like it's just not going to work. So I took that first semester off. And then when it came time to start the second semester, my publishers were like, we love this whole learning thing. Also yeah. remember like how you have to write another book. <laughs> and right. I was like, "Oh, will write that. Um, so I am sort of on the slow plan. Aaron's about a year in um, and who knows exactly how it'll unfold for me. But the, the core was, um, again, it comes back to that. I guess I just haven't learned that yet. Um, when you're in ministry for as long as Aaron and I have been, you are the expert in a lot of situations, and you have to know the answers to a lot of things, and you have to know, of all the answers, the best answer, or the best answer for your tradition, or your church, or this or that, and we kind of both just said, I want to be a learner. I want to be a person who asks questions. And nothing is ever lost when you put yourself in the learning position. So we have not, like, we're not Episcopalian. We're not necessarily on the, we're not on the track to becoming priests or ordained in the Episcopal Church. We're just there to be a part of their community and to learn. We don't have a real specific idea of how it will go after that. We're both still working on other projects. But it was a, we had the opportunity to put this learning part into our lives. And um, I'm I'm not doing it yet, but I'm watching Aaron do it, and he loves it. He absolutely loves it. And he always says, you know, he's a worship leader for 19 years, almost every Sunday all year round. It's a lot of answers. That's a lot of Mm. giving. That's a lot of of microphone. And all of a sudden, he's learning things from people who've been doing this for way longer than we have, and it's really, really energizing.
3: I
1: love it. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for that.
3: Hi. Hi. Um, Jen, I've been listening to your podcast as I paint um, a bedroom and a new house my husband is building for us. Yes. And when I say building, he is building it. Wow. And it's been a real, so it's been be a real pleasure. So it'll
1: be done like 17 years. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. 22. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and counting. Um, and I'm imagining that when I walk into that room, I'll I'll hear Rachel and Sarah and Jeff as I've talked to you. Um, it's really what I think about when I pass that room now. And Shauna, you're new to me, um, and I suppose the next bedroom I paint, I'll be listening to your books. <laughs> But my question is for Shawna. You mentioned um, you're in love with a new church in New York. And I wonder um, how you find Jesus there differently than maybe you did in the Midwest.
2: Hmm. That's a great question. I would say there's nothing magical about this church. It just happens to be a really good fit for us. I know better than to know uh, than to believe that there's a perfect church and certainly a perfect church for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, Aaron and I each have a list of non-negotiables. And they're both like weirdly long because we're very opinionated people, especially in this genre. And this church happens to be just the Venn diagram of both. And there are so many other wonderful churches that you will never hear me say a negative word about. This one just happens to be a great one for us. A couple things that we really love about it is it's a really great mix for us of um, sort of an evangelical service style and a high church, high church liturgical style. Yeah. It feels like like those two things got married and had a lovely little baby at our church. Yeah. Um, and there's a little bit of contemplative space. Hmm. A couple times during the service, we'll be invited to quiet, to be quiet, to slow down for a minute. I really love that. And then I would say the biggest thing is our kids want to go. And before I had kids, I heard people sometimes say like, well, this church wouldn't be my first choice, but like it works for my kids. And I was like, they're small. You can take them anywhere. You can carry them, you know? Yeah. Um, and now that I have kids, I realize what a treasure it is. If your kids are excited about that, that's a really big deal. And so I would say there's nothing perfect or magic about it. It just happens to hit right where we are right now, Aaron and I, and it works well for our kids. Mm.
3: Is it different than some Midwestern churches you've been to? or? Not necessarily. Okay, no. Yeah. I mean, it's smaller.
2: It's the smallest church I've been a part of, but that's, I've but only really a been a relative, part of. yeah. Right. I, yeah. I just tended, I, most of my experience is in big churches, and this is a really small church. Okay. And it's great. And some of it is, one thing I've found is um, someone told me this. Uh, It actually may have—no, I I was going to say who it was, and it's a person from Grand Rapids, but if I'm misquoting him, that's not a nice thing to do. It's a person who's a man who lives in Grand Rapids, I think, who's super smart, and I really like, but I don't want to misquote him. So Um, Sometimes you just want different problems, right? Like, I think he was talking about a job. Like, no job is perfect, but sometimes you're so tired of the problems at your job that you you kind of have capacity for some new problems, (laughs) right? It's just like a variety. And I think that's sometimes true in churches. There are challenges. Every church has its set of challenges. We were just ready for new challenges, and we like these challenges for
1: now. That's great. So we're going to wrap it up with who's up at the microphone, and we'll have to answer quickly because I'm I'm getting the eye. do you know those nights when you are tossing and turning in bed? That's my worst time. So instead of just laying there and hoping for the best, there is another way to help you drift off and it's called abide. Abide is the number one meditation app for believers looking to integrate some scripture and positive messages into their days. And so for a limited time, my listeners will get 25% off a premium subscription at abide.co slash for the love. And listen, At the end of the day, you can help lull yourself and your kids to sleep with Abide's Bible-based bedtime stories. I mean, this is a good way to finish the day. So get started now with 25% off a premium subscription by downloading the Abide app at abide.co slash for the love. You'll get even more bedtime stories and meditations, premium music, soothing sounds, and more. Great stuff. 25% 25% off by going to abide.co slash for the love, A B I D E dot co slash for the love to download the Abide app and get 25% off your premium subscription today. Back to the show, guys.
0: Hi. Hi. My question is for Jen What do you miss and not miss about teaching? What do I miss and
1: not miss about teaching? Um, as Shauna mentioned earlier, if at this point in my life I had to go to a job at a time, <laughs> and and enclose and stay there until it's done, five days a week, I, I, fr- I frankly don't believe that I could do it. I think I would last a week and a half. So I have become addicted to the flexibility of my, the way that I work and working from home and working just is an absolute piece of garbage. Like, but I can't I am, tell you. Yeah. I am going to interrupt. Yeah. You've
2: done three events in three cities this okay. week. Okay. So there are moments of like right. jammy life,
1: yeah. But also, you get on airplanes and they tell you when to be there. That's like okay. You- that's a good point. I have the capacity to sometimes show up at Mars Hill <laughs> at seven, but it's limited. It's limited. Um, what I do miss, though, are the funny stories from the kids. I used to write them all down, and I could have written twenty-nine bestsellers had I kept going, because kids are so funny, um, and so dear, and so clever. Um, but um, I mostly miss none. So, I have enough kids. I'm like a teacher in my own home. You know what I mean? Thank you for asking. Okay, these will be our last two questions.
3: I'm um, living in the loss I've just lost my mom
2: and um, navigating through grief and grieving well. Well, um, on the topic of grief, um, I actually, you know... Uh, A friend of mine just lost his father, and I'm so sorry to hear about your loss. Um, When we were out to dinner with him, and he's a professor, and so I think part of the way he processes everything is through books. And so one of the questions we asked him is, what are you reading and what's been helpful? And so he mentioned a couple things to me that then I ended up reading and really loving. There's a book called Grief Works, Mm -hmm. and it's a British author, and her name is Julia something. And um, she's a therapist who does only grief work. And she writes about all the different stories, kind of in categories. Losing this kind of person in your life, losing this kind of person, losing this kind of person. And then some of the reflections and takeaways. And some of what it was so valuable to to read was um, that grief manifests itself in some ways such different ways and in some ways really similar ways. And so he found it really comforting. And then I read it, and I found it the same way as well.
1: Okay, look. Here she is.
2: She's going to land the plane. Hello.
0: Okay. So Jen, at the beginning you were like, "Hey, who, you know, who's moms of littles in here?" And I'm like, "Yeah, me. I got a 2-year-old yeah. and a 6-year-old, not your you know, where are my moms of the teens?" I'm like, "Yeah, I got a 14-year-old." Yeah, yeah. I do not recommend this as a family planning strategy, <laughs> by the way. Um, and I'm wondering how what you guys do to love your kids when they're acting their most unlovable. Yeah. Um, cuz yeah. one of my kids oh, got some claps. <laughs> is acting a so... A lot of
1: unlovable kids in this room. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Is acting so unlovable, yet I know he needs it more than ever. And I'm just wondering what advice you have on that.
1: Well, I can give you the best piece of advice I got. Um, When we started um, turning the the ship into middle school, and Brandon and I were looking at each other like, what is happening? You know, like they're possessed. Um, I was talking to a mom a few stages ahead of me, and I was just like, what's going on? Like, everything that was sweet is dissolving into like weird fury that is misplaced and bizarre to manage and also out of left field and then it disappears and they want to snuggle like help me like (laughs) what is going on and she said okay jen she said you need to think of this season of life um, as a bit of a roller coaster. And she said, so you, on a normal, sane, regular day, you're standing on the platform with those children of yours. And you're all just there because you're at the theme park and everything's great. But sometimes those kids want to strap themselves into that ride and go bananas. They want to loop-de-loop. They want to go upside down. They're maybe, maybe they'll throw up. We don't know. Um, <laughs> and she said, your job. No matter what sort of thing, they, so, tangent they go off on is to stay on the platform. You just stand there and you say, enjoy the ride. I love I'm going to be here when you get back. <laughs> I cannot wait for your return. But as for me, I'm not going to strap myself into the crazy train and go with you. Right? Like That's so good. <laughs> just, I'm not going to take the bait. I'm not going to get in a fight with a 12-year-old. Right? I'm not... I'm not, I'm not going to give into this because I remember what it's like to be that age and everything feels confusing and your body is changing and your mind is weird and you are upset all the time and you're scared all the time and you're worried all the time. I remember, I remember. So as I stand on the platform, I try to remember how hard it is to be a kid, how hard it is to be a teenager and how much I am not getting in that ride. And so they come back. And they land, and they get back on the platform, and you're like, oh, I'm so glad to see you. And so as much as you can, try to remain the adult in the room. And It's hard. (laughs) Oh, it's hard. Oh, it's so hard. Um, But I found that to be incredibly useful. Um, And so I would always just tell my kids, you're really going through something right now, aren't you? I really see that you're on the struggle bus. Um, And I... Rather than take all the things to drop, and I would just say, I remember that this season is hard. I remember when I felt the same way. I remember how friends can really make you feel sad. Um, so give them just enough to feel seen and loved and known, and then send them on their way. And they'll be back like the next day for sure. Mm-hmm. Right?
2: That's so and I would say pretty similar things. I'm just looking at my friend, Melissa, who I was with this weekend, and we were talking about parenting. Um, uh, and we were talking about like what are the I've I've not a lot of wisdom to impart but I have like a couple things that I learned from other moms. Um, number one, water of any kind. Oh yeah. Do you need a glass oh, of yeah. water? Maybe hop in the shower. Uh, yeah. Can we drive to yeah. Nana and Papa's to the lake? also? In a pinch a puddle will work. How about a bath <laughs> water towel? is medicinal. Yep. Yeah. So uh, you might be dehydrated, you yeah. probably don't smell great.
0: Like yeah. we can solve <laughs> all of this. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Um it's fair. Another a friend of mine who has boys, older than my boys, she said, boys are like St. Bernard's and you just have to run them.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah.
2: And I cannot tell you how many times we've been like, I bet you can't get from there to there in four seconds. Go. <laughs> like, they'll be in the middle of a full meltdown yeah. and we'll be like, who can beat daddy around the house? Yeah. Just sometimes just blowing off a bunch of steam. Yeah. Um, physically especially, really, really kind of brings them back to normal. Um, and then I had one more and I, oh, um, I think routines sometimes. I'm not, this is a kind of a challenge area for me because I'm not a very routine oriented person, but I have learned to be for our kids. And the more I find that they're out of sorts, the more they need, we talk about like remain the adult in the room. Yep. For me, that's routines that help them feel grounded and safe, and again, I'm not great at it. When I say routine, I mean I do it like three times, yes. and then like don't do it for seven times, and yeah. then do it again two times and yeah. feel like a champion. Like, I'm not, it's not my best thing. But one of the things that I do is when I tuck them in at night, the last thing I do before I leave, I say, hey, my hands are open. Anything you're scared about, anything you're worried about, all your fears, you put them in my hands and I'm gonna hold them for the night. I can handle anything you're afraid of. You don't have to handle it alone. I'll take them all in the morning if you want them back you can have them but my arms are strong enough for all the scary things and they, they throw them at me mm. and I catch them all and I put them in my bathroom pockets and I leave and I think sometimes there are things we can do that just over and over show them you're being taken care of you can be real crazy sometimes that's totally okay but at the end of the day I've got you yeah. and I think you know all of us grow up in all different ways, but I don't know that I totally had a sense that someone could handle my crazy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And looking back, I wish I, I had a little bit more sense of that. And so I really want to give that to my kids. Mm-hmm. As nuts as you want to be, it yeah. doesn't scare me at all. I got right. you. So that, that's, um, they, they throw it all from their little bunk beds. I put them in my pockets. That's cute.
3: Thank so you. So good. Thank you both.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So on behalf of Shauna and I, we thank you so much for spending a Wednesday night with us in this room. It has felt so lovely and so warm and so generous. And so we love you and we appreciate you so much. And it was a delight to be with you tonight. Thank you. That's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this chat. Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs
0: up rating if you like it. From the whole Hatmaker family, I hope you have a great
3: week and see you next time.